blessed to be able to serve with you guys. Good to be back home. Um, was out last week doing some business in the district. Um, for those of you uh, who are new and this is your first time or second time, welcome home. You're at home. Uh, for those who are young, you have uh, there's youth church downstairs. If you don't want to go to youth church, you're welcome to be wherever you like. Uh, we're just so glad that your face and space is in the place. Uh, if you like, we can direct you that way. If not, you're just welcome. Why don't you give God a hand clap for what he's doing? Um, as I look out, as a pastor, my heart is extremely glad and my heart is extremely proud. Uh, when we came in 2019, we looked and there was much work to do. And as I look through the room and we have quite a few people out with sickness and other things, but it's a testimony that much work has been done. And that God is really good. And I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for your prayers. I'm grateful for your partnership. I'm grateful for teams that are on the camera. I'm grateful for security teams that are all around. And just to let you know, you're really safe in here. You're probably safer in here than you are outside. We got security teams and Mark's back there watching that door like a hawk. And, and they're not getting in unless Mark lets them in. And we got other people with security and things. We got uh, Brother Bob back there. We got two deacons back in the back that are working to keep you safe. We got security teams watching watching cameras why am I telling you this because a lot of times in today's world people don't feel safe I want you to know that not only God has your back but we have your back too <laughs> and that you are safe in this building we're so grateful uh, for you all of you our father's children uh, who are here today we're grateful if for those of you who would like to there is a ministry opportunity to uh, go out uh, and minister at the Greenfield Church today they are having a missions program I know some of you see that there's a lot of activity that is starting to ramp up that is because we are not just one singular church but we are a, uh, a conglomerate of churches all over the world two million churches uh, two million people rather thousands of churches worldwide in about 136 to 37 different countries and in the Detroit area we have somewhere between seven and eleven churches and so we're beginning uh, and thank you for those who served uh, I believe that was Tuesday it was or Wednesday I, the days are running together but we had uh, representatives from each of our local churches out here we're working on some things from the district so I want you to be aware of those things we're going to start doing a quarterly prayer and fasting service which means that once every quarter all of our churches are going to come together and fast uh, starting on a Friday and we'll come together for service on that uh, on that Sunday, or on that Saturday rather, to come together and break that fast and worship together. We're also going to be working on tent revivals and some evangelistic sessions where when we go out in the streets, people from other churches, other locations will be out, sister churches will be out to help us and we're going to help them. The Bible says to find a friend, you must show yourself what? friendly and so we we have a lot of friends and we're going to use that synergy that we have in that partnership the devil knows how to partner really well when you see people for evil purposes and evil agendas they get along really well even if they don't like each other they learn to work together for a singular purpose and since we like each other and we have a good purpose it just makes good sense that we work together to help bring people to Christ amen uh, if there is a word from God today, if you'll stand for the reading of our word, if you're able to, if you're not, that's quite all right. Um, from the book of Romans, chapter 13, starting at verse one through seven, Romans, chapter 13, starting at verse one through seven. <coughs> Thank you to our prayer team that comes in every week, diligent uh, and they're, they're vigilant in that they come and they're diligent. Uh, to pray for us as the service comes. You make a difference. Let's read together. What does it say? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Why would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for sake of conscience. 
For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them taxes to whom taxes are owed revenue to whom revenue is owed respect to whom respect is owed honor to uh, whom honor is owed. Let us pray. God, I thank you that your word is permeating our hearts. Help us to receive what you are saying to us so that we will walk in it and receive the victory that you're giving us through your word, not just through the hearing, but through the application of it. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus name. You may be seated in the presence of God from this scripture and other related scriptures. We want to talk to you about this topic covered. Everybody say covered, covered. covered. When I was young. I'm about to date myself, Brother Dave, but when I was going to school, they had these things called books. <laughs> and we didn't have a, a really wealthy school district. Uh, we were okay. We did well. We were good, one of the best in the state probably. But when they would give you your books, you didn't get a brand new book. Anybody remember that? You got a book <laughs> that, that was somebody else had had last year, may have had some writing, a few torn pages, and, and all those things. And when you got the book, you were fined if you brought the book back bad. So they would give you these long sheets of paper. Anybody remember those, those long sheets? And you learned how to fold them and put them around the sides of them. They were book cover. They were there. You remember those? You put them on and you learn how to fold them and put them real nice and neat and you draw stuff on them. And you did that because the books were valuable and you didn't want to damage them. So you wanted them to be covered. If you bought a car, and when I bought my car, I usually don't buy brand new cars, Brother Dave. That's not a good financial decision. But the wind in, Missis the wind in Michigan in 17-degree weather decided that when I was riding the roads, I probably didn't want, to want my car to go out. So I did that, and because I am frugal, my wife has another word for it. We won't talk about that. But because I'm frugal, I want to make cars last. I don't like car notes. And I looked at my car, and I said, there's a lot of mud out here. I am not going to get this car dirty. So what I did was I went to this place called WeatherTech. So if I ever decided I want to sell the car, it would keep its value. And WeatherTech is designed so every crevice where dirt could arrive, you put a mat down and it keeps your car what? Covered. Oh, somebody's picking it up for us right now. You're getting it. Open enrollment season comes about this time of year when everybody gets ready for their benefits. And I was looking at things and talking to my wife and saying that we need this or we need this. Last year, I asked my wife about an accident policy. And the reason I did is because people in my house are accident prone. <laughs> and, uh, and when we were looking, and believe it or not, if you don't believe me, they've had enough accidents already to pay for the policy for the next 10 years already. I asked my wife if we needed to do that, and we we're looking at those things, and we hurry to make sure we get those things and medical insurance done before the deadline because we want to make sure that because our loved ones are valuable to us and we are valuable to ourselves, so we want to make sure that we are covered. Hmm. You see a theme. I, I don't want my family destitute. And so when I first got my family, one of the first things I did even before I started to sell life insurance is I got a life insurance agent and they began to talk to me about the value of my life and that I wasn't just a person. But they asked me what my salary was. They asked me uh, how much the house we had just bought was worth in case something happened, because this is the thing. Life insurance is a benefit for people who actually love people, people who don't love people. People say, when I die, you get it how you live. That's a street term. But here, people that really love people and don't want people destitute, when they leave this earth, they invest in life insurance. And if they leave this earth, they can leave this earth knowing I'm okay because although monetarily I won't be able to provide for my family, I've got enough life insurance to provide for them for a certain amount of time. And so, therefore, my family is covered. Ah, ha, ha, you catching on. Even Victor the other day, Victor came in. He's out visiting his son today. But Victor showed up the other day and he asked me, and he said, Hey, Pastor, how you doing? I, you got a second? I said, Where are you? He said, I'm about 30 seconds down the road. And, and, and he, he soon regretted that because when he asked what I was doing, I was moving stuff out of the garage and I needed a hand. And after I finished working, Victor, he said, Man, you worked me today. I said, I didn't call you. You showed up. He said, You're right. <laughs> 
<laughs> but as we went through, he was looking at something in the garage, and he said, what is this? I said, it's a generator in case the house, the lights go out. Sometimes the lights will go out in Royal Oak, but he couldn't tell what it was because on top of it, he said, Pastor, that's a good thing. He says, you know, most people don't keep stuff very long because they don't have covers for stuff. When you like stuff and you want to keep it up, you have a cover on it. I said, Victor, you just don't know, but you're helping me preach tomorrow. Uh, and he didn't realize it, but this is what I want you to know. Put that first powerful principle up on the screen. I want you to know this. Everybody repeat after me. You cover what you care about. If a man says he loves his family but has no life insurance, he doesn't love his family. I don't believe in that. You don't love your family. If you don't prepare for your family when you're gone, if a man says he loves his family and does not protect and take care of his family, he really doesn't love his family. Paul went so far to say he that does not care for his own house is worse than an unbeliever because you cover what you care about. If you don't believe me, most of you have this little small computer in your hand. And before you even take it out of the box, you go to Amazon and buy a phone cover. Because you cover what you care about. You try to protect what it is that you care about. You have covers for cars and keyboards and dining room tables and dishes and insurance coverage. And what God is letting us know today is he wouldn't leave us by ourselves because in the book of Genesis, it said something about mankind. You know what that was, Brother Day? He said all the inclinations of his heart were evil, which means that you are not born good. You are born bad. And if we can do something and get away with it, we generally get away with it. With it, and with a, a general populace where everybody is doing what they want to do, the world would go upside down and crazy. And so God has a way to keep us covered. It's called government and authority. Because when you're late, you don't mind going 90 miles an hour down 696 because the only thing you're thinking about is I don't want to get fired. I don't want to get points. I don't want to do this. What you're not thinking about is if something hops up in the road and I kill somebody, I'm a danger to myself and other people. So you'll see this blue, ugly car with this old-fashioned light at the top of it. And when you're going down, all of a sudden, you start doing this real fast. Why? Because that's there to remind you that there there's more people in the world that are important besides yourself. God placed government here to keep us covered. God placed authority here to keep us covered. And authority is a blessing when it's used in a loving context. God placed systems and authorities in place for our good to protect us from evil. Some people in this day and stage try to be mad at the police. I want you to let you know I'm not mad at the police. I love the police. I love the police. Why? Because I'm not doing anything wrong. Therefore, the police are my friends. Pull me over, that's fine. Search my car, sure, there's nothing in there. <laughs> Clean it while you're in there if you don't mind. <laughs> but they're here for our good, and they're here to help us. I already hear somebody arguing in their mind. No, 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 just hold on a second before you do that. We're going down through the word of God. God has placed systems and authorities in place for our good and protect us from evil. Most of the people that don't like the police are people who are constantly breaking the law. You don't like the police because you won't get insurance on your car. And you don't want to get arrested for no insurance because you don't realize that you're not just hurting yourself. If you hit somebody else, you hurt them as well. That's why you don't like the police. That's why you think he's just pulling me over because of this. No, he's pulling you over because your tag is out. That's why he's pulling you out, and we all have to pay for society. If you be honest, most of the reason we don't like police officers is because we're doing stuff we don't have any business doing. If you're cruising and you go down and you see that ugly blue Michigan State Trooper car, you don't even think a thought. The only time you think about it is when you are what? Speeding. When you're doing something 
wrong. God has placed authority and government in us for our good. And this is what we say. Well, I don't think all authority is good. Well, do you not know that all authority comes from God? If you don't believe me, I thought you wouldn't. So I went to the Bible. You can argue with me, but you can't argue with God. Daniel chapter 2, verses 21. Daniel 2 and 21. What does it say about authority? Let's read it. This is God that Daniel was talking about. What does it say? He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. There's not a person in authority that God didn't know they weren't going to be there. But there are wicked people in the earth. We're all wicked. There's not one righteous, no, not one, no man seeks God, no, not one. There are, it's God. God knows there are some people that do things in government that God doesn't approve of. And as bad as the world is now, think about what would happen if everybody got to go unchecked. If everybody got to resolve issues the way they wanted to resolve issues. If everybody could reach in their trunk and resolve issues that way. If everybody could pull up their fists and resolve issues that way. As bad as things are in the world now with people trying to kill people and do things like that, imagine if there were no law enforcement. Imagine if there were no judicial system. Imagine if there were no government. What would the world be like? God placed authority in place to keep us what? Safe. Safe. And what's that C word? Covered. Let's read that together. Let's put that back up. <laughs> Thank you. Media team, got, they got that. Let's read that to ourselves. As bad as the world is now, imagine if everybody did what they wanted to unchecked. Mm. We have people in this room who are here to protect you. Those doors are locked past a certain time. People are watching that video so nobody can walk up on any corner of this church unless somebody sees them. There is a spot back there that we can pull it and the police will be here in two minutes. And I'll have people in this church that are deadly accurate, so you better hope the police get to you before they get to you because you are covered. God places you in places where he wants you to be covered. Here's the thing, then if God made authority, why is it that governments do wrong to hurt people? How is it that God created something? How can you tell me God created authority when there are dictators? How can you tell me that God created authority when there are people right now in government seeking to kill people and babies and children? Why do government may, uh, why are governments like that if God made it? I want you to repeat this after me. Whatever God makes for good, Satan will try to manipulate for bad. God made the bond between a man and a woman, and they come together in a, in a consummation. They become one flesh. That was made for good, but outside the context of marriage, is what? It's bad. <laughs> God made food for the belly. The Bible says meat is for the belly, and the belly is for meat. But if you happen to sit, see a buffet and you go far overboard, it has now become what? Bad. I ain't going to ask y'all. I'll just say ouch. <laughs> God created the institution of government for authority. Cars are not evil. Cars serve a purpose in humanity. However, malicious and sinful people like the person who honked their horn at me last night can help cause destruction. We should, not, we should not judge God's wise structure by the corruptness of the driver. In other words, cars aren't bad, people are. We don't do away with cars because people have road rage and reckless driving. We don't do away with weapons, and that's an argument. Well, we should just get rid of the guns in the world. I've come to tell you, if they didn't have guns, they'd run you over with cars. The problem is not the gun. I have guns all around, and they sit in places, and guess what? I've never seen a gun get up and shoot one person. Amen. Guns are not the problem. People are the problem. 
It's the corruptness of our hearts. Guns can be there to kill food for safety. Guns can be there to protect your family. The guns are not the problem. The people are the problem. And that's the same with government. Government is not the problem. It's sometimes the wickedness of the people that are in the government that's the problem that infiltrate the institutions that God has put there. And we have to realize this. As long as we live, there are going to be some abuses that are made in structures because human beings are in them even in the church well I'm not going to that church because something's wrong with that church when you find a perfect church do yourself a favor and do that church a favor don't show up because as soon as you show up it will cease to be perfect preacher included because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't do away with car. <laughs> there are abuses that happen in government, but we should never discount God's ability to have a remnant that will use his creation as it was intended. God can work even through fallen creation. We follow authority as long as the authority does not flow antithetical to the will and the way of the God because he is the ultimate source of authority. A lot of us don't like authority because we've been on the wrong end. Of authority. <laughs> Jesus says this. He said, behold, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, when we read that in English, that's all we hear. If you said that in Greek, the word is ekklesia. It means the called out ones. And another word is my government. My kingdom. Upon this rock, I will build my kingdom, my government. God is a king. He uses government, and he is the ultimate authority. He uses governmental terms. Did you not know? This is a fun fact, that in the Bible, the number 12 is the number of government. And did you notice how many disciples did Jesus have? He had 12 disciples. He had 12 apostles. If you go all the way to the book of Revelations, there are four sides to the city, and there are three gates to the east, three gates to the north, three gates to the south, three gates to the west. There are 12 gates to his kingdom. God loves government. God loves authority. He created government. God made authority. He made that a biblical number. It represents something. So when we reject covering, we reject protection. I've never seen anything in my life, and I don't want to get onto a rant, a, a, a group of ungrateful people as the young people in the United States. I love our young people. We got young people, but I see people that don't know anything, and they're always ranting against the police. If you, And the very people that are ranting against the police are the people who need them in their communities. Don't throw out policing because you have bad police. Get rid of the bad police and keep the, keep, keep the good ones. Because they're there for your protection. They're there for your good. I, I showed up for a spiritual sermon. This is a spiritual sermon. This is a very spiritual sermon. How do we accept covering? You cannot accept a covering and, 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 and not be protected, but you also cannot reject uh, a covering and be protection. This is the thing. How do we accept covering and protection? Brother Dave, I'm finna get in trouble now. I'm finna get in trouble now. It's this word that nobody likes. Everybody says submission. I see her shaking her head already. <laughs> you lie, I can't see out there with the lights in my eyes. The Lord let me see you. <laughs> Nobody would have knew it was you if you hadn't said anything. <laughs> Submission equals this. Submission equals cooperation. Everybody said cooperation. Or supporting an authority that is not my own. In other words, that I don't hold the authority, but I submit to the authority. And when I do that, I cooperate with that authority. I don't fight it. Submission, this is why people don't like submission. Pull up that next, uh, that next power principle for me. We'll read that together. What does it say? They're getting it up. If they saw it. If not, I'm going to read it, and I'll let you guys read it. It says this, cooperation is produced when we are submitted. Coercion is produced when we are rebellious. You can either cooperate with the law, or you can get into the judicial and the penal system. 
See, cooperation works when we do right. Coercion works when we do wrong. My mama used to tell me this way. If you don't do what I tell you to do, when you get older and, the, and you get out there with the law, you're going to realize you don't get to do what you want to do. They're going to make you do it. And why are they doing that? They're doing that because sometimes we get a little out of pocket. And sometimes we can become a danger to others and ourselves. Let's read it together. What does it say? Cooperation is produced when we are submitted. Coercion is produced when we are rebellious. What does coercion mean? When you are forced to do something against your will. You can do it the easy way. Or you can do it to what? But here's why we don't like it. Because submission requires humility. And rebellion is what we like. We are a country of rebellious people. We throw tea in harbors and, and shoot cannons at Fort Sumter and have civil wars. Why do those things happen? They say, why are there wars among you and strife? Because each man is taken away when he goes on to his own lust. There's something spiritual in us that makes us not want to obey authority to be. And how many of you said this? I can't wait till I get 18 because then I'll be what? Grown. And I'm going to do what I what? want to do. You're never going to do what you want to do. Don't pay your taxes on your house and see how long you keep it. You're always going to be submitted to something. Either you're cooperating with it or you're coerced by it. And this is what we need to know. Submission requires humility. Rebellion to God ordained and God compliant authority is only a result of pride. When we think what we want is more important than what the law said. I know the law said pay your taxes, but I'm not giving them nothing. I know the law says wear your seatbelt and do this, but shoot, I'm grown. I do what I want to. It's my life. Isn't that what we say? Yeah. Somebody said, I shouldn't have showed up this week. You should have stayed home. <laughs> but this is helping us, isn't it? Because the truth of the matter is, it pulls us back into the covering of God and a blessing. Submission requires humility. And, and when, we're, when we use humility, God can use us greatly. Pride is this. It's the overvaluation of self-importance. You think you're more important than you really are. You forget that you're one person of seven billion. Pride is an overvaluation of self-importance. Pride is the opposite of love. Love seeks to give and pride seeks to take. Love seeks to serve and pride seems, seeks to take all it can get for itself. It seeks its own good and benefit. It causes the mistreating of others. I go back to the seatbelt example. I'm grown. I don't wear a seatbelt. But what happens when you kill yourself and that officer has to deal with the trauma of seeing it? You don't ever just affect you. Everything you do in the world, you're interconnected and interwoven. Everything you do, do has an effect on someone else. And so God put authority in place so that we could be governed and we could have submission and we would work according to his plan. Here's a big idea. If you will not. And this is it. People say, well, why are we still talking about the police? I'm not going to obey the law. Pastor, well, I want you to know this. I want you to listen to this. Good. It says if you will not submit to people, you can see you won't submit to a God. You cannot. Jesus says, how can you say you love me whom you've never seen and hate your brother whom you see every day? He said, that's a lie. He didn't say it was a story like we said in the South. He said, that's a lie. How can you say you love me and you hate your brothers. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Well, how do you love me? How do I love you, Jesus? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. How can you say you love me? And you don't, there you go, you don't keep them. You keep the hookup. You know that stuff ain't legal that you got. You didn't get it from a discount from the store. Oh, it's going to get quiet, but that's all right. I'm going anyway. 
How can you say you love God, but we're constantly doing the wrong thing? Not unknowingly, because nobody's perfect, but we knowingly do things. We have a phrase for it where I came from. They said it's called the hook what up. I got the what? Hook up. Some people call it a plug. Other people call it different things. Some people call it a, a, a good deal. Either way, I call it wrong. And when we don't submit to the authority that is here, how can you tell God, I'm going to submit to you? If, I w- if you were dating and two people were dating, how can you tell somebody that you're going to be faithful to them when they get married and you're cheating already? If you can't be faithful when you're single, a ring changes nothing. How can you say you're going to be submissive to God and you won't even be submissive to the sheriff? Is this helping anybody? If you cannot submit to earthly authority, it is doubtful that we are going to willfully submit to God's authority in our life. That is a warning light to let us know that we are in dangerous ground. Because when you don't follow safety officers, a lot of times you get in trouble, right? Paul is talking in Romans 13 about banning civil authorities. And how many of us have gotten in trouble because we saw the blue lights of the Holy Ghost flashing, saying, you're moving too fast. But we kept on going and we tried to outrun it and ran right into trouble. How many times has God said, don't do that, and we did it anyway? How many times has God said, it, it, it's wrong, but you said, but it feels so right? And you overrode his authority in your life and said, Pastor, I know, I know what you said, but I'm going to do what I. People hear me all the time when I'm discipling. I always give them this, this disclaimer. Now, what I'm telling you is true and it's built in the word of God, but I cannot run your life. I'm not a dictator. It's up to you whether you do it or not. And here's the thing. Some people follow it and some people don't. But I figured this out. When they don't, they'll be back. It'll work for a while. But when you don't follow authority and not just governmental authority, God has placed all sorts of authority in our lives. And especially in America, we don't realize authority because of the absence of father in both in all households. It's not just African-American households. It's American households where fatherhood is now void. And because there is no father, we don't know how to obey authority and we get resentful from authority. Most people who are productive citizens and do good in life, most of them have a good father in the house. Why? Because they learn I can't do everything I want to. And I and no matter how gifted I am, I have to submit to somebody somewhere. When we don't trust, we don't submit. We don't partner with God because we feel like we know better how to deal with our own lives. And sometimes to see a spiritual truth, you have to look to a physical truth. And if I know that I'm not obeying the laws of the land and I'm not working to do the right things in the physical, you already know what the spiritual looks like. Because the physical is produced from what's on the inside. Man went to the doctor, said, doctor, it hurts when I do this. You know what the doctor said? Don't do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor, I need to talk to you again. Why? Because this is going on in my life. What did I say you should do? You said I should do this. What did you do? The exact opposite? I can't help you. There's only one truth. There's not a version A or B for the one that fits what you want to do the best. But we bust our head because we do not know how to submit. And this is the thing. God has not just placed government over us, but there are other authorities over us. Oh, Brother Dave, be praying for me. Sister Bernice, pray for me. It's about to get tight. I'm going down dangerous ground. (sighs) Hebrews 13 and 17. Let's go to the Bible. Y'all ready for this? I'm excited. Hercules. All right, let's go. Hebrews 13 and 17. What does it say? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now, stop. Those are your pastors. Those are your elders. Ooh. Terry, you pray too. <laughs> let's keep going. What does it say? As those who will have to give an account 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Don't frustrate your pastors. Don't keep coming with the same old issues and not listening and expecting them to fix it. No. Submit to godly leadership. This is why people don't grow in discipleship now is because we have a la carte church. We don't submit to anybody. As soon as the preacher says something we don't like, we get up and we take our tithes and our car and we go home and we go find a church that's going to tell us what we want to hear. And we never grow because we will refuse to submit to the what? Truth. The truth doesn't change. And I can tell you there's somebody out there that will gladly take your tithes and your offerings and your time and your money to tell you what you want to hear. But you're not going to get any better. Your life is not going to change. Pull that scripture back up. It says why? Because they watch for your what? Souls. Pastors are to souls what doctors are to bodies. The soul is the mind, the heart, the emotions, the mental well-being. They are watching out for you. If I tell you something, you might think I'm being mean, but I'm telling it to you for your what? Good. Because you cover what you what? I'm going to pick on Chrissy for a second. (laughs) Chrissy's sitting here. Why? Because Chrissy's had many days where she got up and walked out while I was preaching. Chrissy's sitting here because I've had to tell her hard things and she got mad at me and stopped speaking to me and all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, the word would not change. And when she learned how to submit, the Lord changed her life. I called Chrissy the other day to say, hey, Chrissy, we're not going to be at church. And and, and I'm sorry about that. She said, I don't need you for church anymore. I made a promise to God. I'm coming. What she's saying is I am now submitted. Not to a man, but to the authority. We have to, we have to be able to separate the position with the person. Because oftentimes, we use the person as the reason to not submit. I would submit to my husband if he was the type of man that I would want to submit to. No, he's in the office of a husband, so you must honor him. Well, I don't feel like submitting. Well, that's your fault. You obviously don't make good choices. You're the one that picked him. So now it is what it is. Somebody says tight, but it's what? (laughs) These are the people that give good account. Let me keep moving. First Timothy chapter 5, verses 17. What does it say? First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. What does it say? Let the elders who rule well be considered double, worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now, that's an old English. What does that say? That says pay the people in the church who are working and doing well. If you have a good pastor, that's what double honor means. I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor. That's just it is what it is. That's what it means. If they're worthy of double honor, which means they're not worthy of the regular. They're worthy of double the salary. Why? Because they're good at what they do. Well, why shouldn't he do it for free? When you have cancer, you go to an oncologist, and if there's somebody who specializes in that particular salary, you never ask him how much he charges. And you're going to pay extra. Why? Because he's good at what he... Especially those who labor in what? Preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain, for the laborer deserves his wages. That's honor. Giving is submitting because the hardest thing it is to get somebody to do is to submit with their wallet because where your treasure is, that's where your heart really is. I give to charity. I give to this. God God already told you what you need to give to. You don't get to decide what you give to. You cease the word and you do what he asked you to do. The, uh, we just had this conversation with the financial board. We were just having a good banter about it, about how many people say all oh, preachers care about the money. I said, obviously, you don't know the preachers I know, because most of the preachers I know are struggling to get finances in. Why? Because their members aren't submitted. 25% of people at max in any church give. Why? Because they have not submitted their finances to God. And can you guess what's the percentage of people who have financial trouble? Because they have not submitted their finances to God. On average, this is a study. I, I sent it out for you like to see it. But I think of those people who didn't, uh, 
people who, and this is not to get you to give. If you're not giving, that's between you and the Lord. You got to deal with that. But this is another thing. Of people who give in the church, 42% of the people do not uh, have any kind of tithe. But of the people who have tithe, what was it, 42% are under $250,000 net worth. Uh, maybe 20% are at another percentage of net worth. But by the time you get to over 500000 those people who tithe and submit their giving to God are over $500,000 net worth, 38% by the time they die. Why? Because they submitted to God. And they did it God's way and followed his principles. But we're taught in America, we do what we want or what? Do. When you meet my criteria and I do what you want me to do, we honor God. By honoring those he's placed in authority structures, not just with money, but with your presence. Can I be honest with you? Pastors want more of your less of your money and more of your consistency. I'm going to speak for pastors across America. You know what most pastors across America want? Just for you to show up every Sunday. That's it. And not make excuses why you can't. Now some pastors going to hop on my feet and say amen because that's the truth. Because if I have your heart, I ain't worried about your money. Well, your treasure is your what? I'm not in it for your money anyway. I have a job. <laughs> I'm in it for the outcome. But I know that if you don't submit your finances to God, you're going to struggle all your days. And the goal might not be for you to be a millionaire, but money will become your God instead of God becoming your God, and you will be miserable. Because no matter how much money you make, you cannot out-earn God's blessing on your life. Amen. Now, I want you to look at some things as we get ready to close. God is the genesis of human authority. In other words, God started authority. Authority is seated in God. It's seated with God. God created authority. Pull up Romans chapter 13 again. We're just going to go down these real quick. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1. What does it say? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Why? For there is no authority except from God. I was listening to the, to the TV the other day, and I usually I try to get out of political watching too much because it just runs your blood pressure up. It's just unnecessary. It's a, a, a big fight. But I was watching the new Speaker of the House guy, and he, they asked him about sitting down with the president, and I really liked what he said. He said, we didn't really talk about much stuff because we don't really agree with anybody, anything at all. But here's the thing. He's the president, and I still have to honor the office. That's something that's lost on Americans today. That we can disagree with the person and honor the office. You can disagree with the pastor. As a matter of fact, I encourage it. That's how we grow and we get better. I tell anybody around me to tell you, I don't like yes men. If you think something's different, that's why I like Lamarck. Lamarck would tell me the truth. No, nah, pastor, I don't know. I don't see that. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Why? Because I might be missing something. You can disagree with somebody and still honor them. You can disagree with your husbands, ladies, and still honor their office. Don't get yourself in trouble. I heard somebody say, huh? <laughs> I can't protect you when you leave here. <laughs> but here's it, here it is. I want you to see the authority. The Bible says that God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man, and the man is the head of the woman. Now, before you start beating your chest, let me break that down to you. His woman, his wife, that he is the head. Why? Because you cover what you what? care about. The father covers the son, the son covers the man, the man covers the woman, and the woman covers the children. Because you cover what you care about, and there's an authority structure in place. And this is where kids get hurt, is when they start thinking they know more about what they need for their life than the people who have come before them. <laughs> Mama, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> because I got kids now, too. And they're really smart, and they're almost smart enough to think they know more than I have, and they haven't figured out. I was in my 20s before you got here. <laughs> I have 20 years of information stored up before you even crack the sky. Not just books, but life and living. When I got a certain age, Brother Dave, I look at my mama and say, I'm more educated than my mama. I know more. But somehow, even though she had more education, she always seemed to be right. 
because truth is not found in books. And she told me the secret, and I didn't figure it out, Sister Bernice. She was, I would say stuff, and I just knew it was right because I learned it in school. My books had taught me that. And this, and Mama would say, keep living. <laughs> and I learned that my life flowed better when I had authority in my life. I used to do whatever I wanted to do. And then my father died when I was 19. But my brothers would tell me stuff, and I would do the exact opposite. And after a while, my brother told me to do something. And, and guess what? He told me, I'll tell you what it was. He told us I wanted an SUV. And my brother said, he was like a father figure in my life. You don't need an SUV. You need a, fa a van, and you got a family. And, and I said, I, he don't tell me what to do. I, I'm grown. I got a degree and all this stuff, and I'm at the top of my class and what I do. But then I started thinking about something. Every time I ask Lon something, and he tells me to do it, and I don't do it, it ends up bad. <coughs> Maybe I just do what he says. <coughs> so I went home, and I told my wife, we need to get a minivan. My wife said, I don't want a minivan. <laughs> I said, I understand that. But we're getting a minivan. <laughs> and my wife didn't like it, but she understood order and authority. And she understood if I made this bad decision, I was going to have to deal with it, and she would never let me forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, sometimes it's okay to let him be wrong. But I did it. I did what he said, and here it is years later. I tried to buy her a new car, and she won't get rid of that old van no matter how hard I tried. <laughs> Why? Because I trusted the wisdom and authority of somebody who came before me. Don't despise wisdom. That's why I love our church, because it's filled with people who are, who are two. It's filled with people who are 90. Why? Because we have people that are going before us, and we don't say you had your time and we had our time. I want to pick your brain, because no matter how many degrees I have, you live more life than I have, and I will submit myself to your wisdom. There's a blessing in that. God set it up that way. So that we could grow. God is the head of the man. The man is the head of his family. The wife is the head of the children. And the elders are the head of the church. There's leadership in the church. Why? So we can have order and we can have direction. And God's will can be filled in the earth. And the opposite of that. Remember I told you Satan would try to manipulate it. It's chaos and rebellion and independence. Somebody tell me what to do. I'm a strong woman. I do what I want to. I'm a grown man. I do what I want to. What you're saying to me is I'm unwise. Don't tell me who you're going to be over if you can't tell me somebody that you're under. Who's an authority in your life? I'm the pastor of this church, but I have a bishop that I answer to. And not only do I just answer to that bishop, I have people that I place in my life that are pastors themselves that I'm not going to tell the bishop everything. But I have people where I get mad, brother, that you get mad, pastor? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I, I get mad and I get in my car and I call my pastor friend, Lorenzo, or my pastor John. And I say, I'm going to say this to Robin when I get in there. I say, no, you're not. <laughs> but this is what I want to say. Well, get it all off your chest. You good? Now go in the house and sit down. Well, I'm just finna go ride. No, you're not. You're gonna sit in the car till you cool off. You got a couch. One time my friend even told me, you got a couch in your house? Yeah, I got a couch in my house. He said, good. Even if you have to sleep on that, go in there and get on and be quiet. <laughs> you need somebody in your life you are submitted to to keep you from making mistakes. Why is God telling us this? He wants us to grow. And if we're going to start growing, we got to stop rejecting the things he put in place because he cared about us. Wife, he put a husband in place because he cared about you. Because his shoulders are broader than yours. So you don't have to fight for yourself. That when there's a bump in the night, you don't have to get up and go to the door. That's for him. It's his job to die, not yours. And if he's not getting up going to the door, lock the door <laughs> when he's on the outside of it. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> Unless you're married to him and it's too late. <laughs> Here's the thing. 
We have to learn that God has placed some things in our lives for our betterment and our good. And the only reason they feel like a problem is when we don't humble ourselves and submit to them. You will never rise until you learn how to submit. <coughs> guys, come here. I need about six guys. Willie, come here. If you don't mind. Terry, Wayne, Dave, Austin. Up here. Come here, Mark. Come, Y'all come this way. Uh, yeah, come on, Lay. <clears throat> I've shared this with the Bible study, but the word submission is actually a military term. It's a military term, and you have to know the or origin of words because when the Romans decided to fight, they created something that was called the tortoise. And the tortoise was where they all had shields that were about this tall right over them. And what they would do is they would create what's called a phalanx. And they'd have three people in the front with shields, they have some people in the middle, and guess what those people would do with their shields? They hold their shields up to the front. I need a few more guys. Uh, some guys, run quick. I need some more guys. I need at least uh, four or five more guys. What they would literally do, come on, thank you, Eddie, come on. They would have guys right here. Now, hop in the middle. Come on, Brother Bob. I need you two to hold your hands up, these two right here. Now, what they're doing is they're holding their shields up. These are holding theirs to the front. Come on, come on, Caleb. Come on, Zach. I need all the guys. Now these, come here, Brother Bob, would hold that shield. Stick your arm out, Brother Arnie. Right here. Now, you on the side. This one sticks his arm out to the side. And they do this all the way around. And why are they doing this? Because this is what happens. If you shoot arrows and they hit the top, who has them? If you come with a spear and you hit the front, who has it? If you take a broadsword and you hit the side and there's somebody sitting here with a shield, the people here are protected by the people that are on the inside and the people that are at the front are protected by the people that are in. But what happens when somebody does what they want to do and says, I deserve to be at the front? Ah, come on, Eddie. I deserve to be here. I got the more education I got. Now he's broken rank and everybody is going to die. The only way that they survive, back on up, if he willfully says, I'm bigger and I'm taller and I'm stronger, just by sheer thing, I'm, I'm taller than Wayne, I'm bigger than Wayne, I should be in the front. But here's the thing, if I step behind Wayne, even though I'm taller than him, and Wayne does his job, we all live. Submission is a term that means that I am choosing, although I may be your equal, for your protection and ours. I'm choosing to step back and protect where I can. That's why you do what you do. Ladies, that's why the world has taught you that submission is a bad thing because what it's taught you is to move him out of the way. Move, I get it myself. It bothers me when I see couples walking down the street and the woman's walking five or six paces in front of the man. He walks too slow. What you're doing is you're being Eddie. Come here. You're moving out in front of here, and what you're saying is I'm not submitted to anybody, and what you're saying is I'm foolish, and I'm giving away all my protection and my covering just to say I'm out front. The key is not to be out front. The key is to be submitted. Because when you submit it, not only are you protected, but everybody around you is. Amen. Submission is not weakness. Submission is strength. Why would I submit to the pastor? He's just a man like I am. Because only one part, you, everybody has only one head. Anything with more than one head is a monster. But he has to realize, just like a good quarterback, no matter how good a quarterback is in football, he's always nice to his offensive line. Because one move and wrong move by his offensive line, and it doesn't matter how good he is, he is incapacitated. That's why pastors, that's it, sack. That's why it's, it's a system of checks and balances. So the pastor knows that if I don't treat my people with respect, they can vote with their feet, and I won't be a leader. I'll just be taking a walk. That's how authority and submission works. I don't see why my parents won't let me stay out as late as I want to. 
I don't see why I can't do this or do that. It's for your safety. I have very responsible children. I'm proud of my children. But even when my daughter goes, from the time she leaves, I watch her on my phone till she gets to her destination. And she's a great child. She texts me when she gets there. She checks me when she's fixing to leave. She's going to be late. We're asking her why. It's not because we don't think she's responsible enough to do it. She's proven that. But we're here for your protection. Why can't I stay up late and watch what I want to eat? And this is the thing in my house. Why daddy got locks on all the TVs? Even my wife complaining. I missed the end of my show because you got this child lock on here. Why won't you change this child lock? Why? Because I'm protecting the things that are out there from getting in here. That's why my children have locks on their phone and on their tablets. Not because they are not smart enough to handle it, but I'm trying to protect them from things and dangers that they don't yet know are out there. And they just don't submit. Take a step forward. They're progressing. <laughs> Take another step forward. And this is how it works. Every now and then when the enemy comes, this is how a turtle works. Y'all come together? When I say part, you part. There's a person right behind them with a spear. And when the enemy's there, part. Come back together. Yeah. That's how it works. On this side, part. Come back. You can fight better <laughs> when there's somebody protecting you. <laughs> Submission is a blessing. Guys, come on down. You can give them a hand. I got a whole army up here. <laughs> but the enemy doesn't want to know that. Why? He wants to tear up our homes. Ladies, he wants to make you think you're less than to submit to your husband. Husbands, he wants to thank you, make you think that you're less than if you submit to a pastor. I'm a man. I won't submit to another man. Then you are not a man. Because only real men will submit. Because you're comfortable in who you are. And when you're comfortable in who you are, you don't mind submitting. Only people who are insecure mind submitting. I don't care if nobody in here knew I was a pastor. Sometimes I've even walked around and talked to people. They had no idea I was a pastor. And I was talking to them. This lady walked up to me one day. I was just talking to her. And she said, hey. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She said, can you, uh, is the pastor, is the, can he preach? Is he pretty good? I said, he's decent. <laughs> and when I stepped over on the podium, she said, I could hear her mouth. I usually can read it. She said, you tricked me. <laughs> Why? Because I don't have to walk around beating my chest telling somebody I'm the pastor. I still am. Guys, you don't have to walk around your house like I've done too, beating I'm the man of this house and y'all going to do what I say. They, they, if you got to tell somebody you're the man of the house, you're not the man of the house. <laughs> I say it again, ouch. Because <laughs> we've all been guilty of the heaven. But do you see the blessing that learning how authority works can be in our lives? Children, submit to your parents. It'll be the best blessing you ever had in your life. Well, what if I don't have godly parents? Find some godly people in your life. Obey your parents and honor your parents. But this is the key. Obey God and not man. That's the last question. Pastor, when do I not obey authority? When the government does what God doesn't want it to do. <laughs> they suffer consequences. Do you not know? This stuff didn't just work for us. It worked for the disciples. The disciples defied the government and all of them were killed and assassinated except for John. But that was what was set in place. But they had to obey God rather than man. That's why Peter says we should obey God rather than man. I love our country. I love our government. I love where I live. If you don't like it, there's plenty of other places you can go. I'm not going to argue with you about that, about how bad America is, because I've been to other places. It could get worse. I can tell you that. I love America, the United States of America, but I'm not crazy enough to think America is perfect. We do things that are wrong, and when America's right, I will stand with them. When America says that it's okay to kill a baby in the womb, I will not stand with them, and I will not say it's okay. When America goes in the principles that are not godly principles, I don't do that because I'm a Republican or a Democrat because I'm neither. I'm independent. I do it because I'm a Christian. Yeah. I do it because I'm saved. I'm not worried about your political party. 
I'm worried about the king riding on a stallion. The king of kings. If this has been a blessing to you, give God a hand clap of praise. You can stand. Today, if you need something from God, you can get it today. If you need prayer today, my prayer team that's here, a lot of them are out. Uh, If you can come forward, uh, Dave, Stacy, Robin, uh, um, that can make it this way. Uh, you can come to the altar for prayer or you can come uh, you can just come to the altar yourself. If you need something, you can come to this altar and get what you need. We're going to open up for a prayer as Brother Dave comes and I, I, I fade into the background. It's been such a pleasure to be with you today to share the word of God. And I pray something has been said that will impact and change your life for the better from this day forward. That you don't leave here feeling 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 guilty, but you leave here feeling challenged and refreshed and invigorated that you've learned a key to unlock to live a victorious life. God, we thank you for what's about to transpire during our prayer team season, and I pray for those who are online, God, that they've received the blessings as well, and that those who hear this for years to come, uh, that word will bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Dave?